Hey everyone, how you doing? This is Amon Green, Green Bay Packers all-time leading rusher, and you're listening to The Average Cheese, hosted by Dell and Todd, two lifelong Packer fans talking about their favorite team, the 13-time champion, Green Bay Packers. Go Pack Go! Welcome to episode 96 of the Average Chiefs Podcast. I'm Dale Lobel, Todd Widener. Peter Jones are in the, both in the house. It is a full family meeting. Thanks to Rhonda and the folks at r Management. Thanks to Dwight at ddgcustoms.com. And thanks to Dan and the folks at Bob Anderson Builders. As you know, you can find us on Twitter at AVGCheese. And you can find us on the internet at www.avgcheese.com. Good to see you both. Peter, how are you feeling? You feeling good? I'm feeling okay. Yeah, I'm getting a bit excited about you guys coming over. Man, me too. It's going to be the, the very first reunion. Yeah, first of many, I hope. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be great. Peter, episode 96. I do not have any random Packers today queued up in my brain. So who is it? There aren't that many 96s. I don't know if you guys remember a defensive end by the name of Sean Patterson from the 90s. No. No, It's 96. Has to be Sean Jones. That's the number that, that's the guy that comes to mind when you think of 96. Mike Neal. Mike Neal, yeah. Yes, I got one. <laughs> he was, he was, but it's Sean Jones. It has to be Sean Jones. Just played three years with the Packers, 94 and a 96, came as a free agent, a crucial part of that Super Bowl team. That defensive line, which I think was just a huge part of that defense. There was Sean Jones at one end, Reggie at the other, Gilbert and Santana Dotson. Sean Jones was that pass rushing defensive end, played four years with the Raiders and then six years with the Oilers before coming to the Packers. Had 27 and a half sacks, I think, in his three years with, with the Packers. 113 career sacks. Just an outstanding pass rusher from the right defensive end spot in the 4-3. Huge guy. 6-7. We could do with a pass rusher from defensive end like him today. No doubt. You know, And he was one of those guys, when we think of that team, that pushed that team over the, over the top, as it were, with him and Reggie and, and those guys. Will always be part of that 96 Super Bowl team. You know, you look at the defenses nowadays, and it's primarily three fours. You don't see a lot of defensive ends built like Sean Jones or like Miles Garrett. Like, that's kind of a – it's a different era in the NFL right now. It is, and it's interesting how that – it becomes cyclical, doesn't it? You know, you, it was always 4-3, and then in the early 80s, it became the 3-4, and then we went back to the 4-3, and now we're back at the 3-4, and I'm sure that the 4-3 will come back into prominence in the next few years, it just seems to be a cycle of one or the other. Yeah, it's like a, how the offenses change, too, over time. The defense has to adjust. The league being primarily passing offenses, right. I wonder if that won't stay the same with the 3-4. You need more athletic guys going after the passer. Sean Jones, awesome. Thank you for that. Right on. If you follow us on Twitter, which you do if you're probably, if you're listening to us, you know that the Rashawn Gary, Aiden Hutchinson thing is at 3-3 because I immediately put it on Twitter. Yes, the guy is falling to the ground. 
Brady is falling to the ground with Gary on top of him. And I am starting to put that on Twitter that Rashawn Gary had another that was, sack. That was a decent sack. I'll give him that. I'm glad to see it. I don't know. How, how does Hutchinson go? He go. He went zero, three, zero. In three the games. matchup, right? It's I the matchup so. of who's playing tackle on the other side. Yes, so. He didn't even oh. record a tackle in that last game. No, not that strange. I'm rooting him on, but good for Gary. He had a good game. We'll Gary's going to have 15 sacks. It's going to be great. That's not what the bet is. No, that's true. <laughs> he just has to have one more than that's Aiden not Hutchinson. The challenge. Right? the challenge is beat Hutchinson. So we're what? Nine days away from leaving the States to come to the UK, which I can't tell you how excited I am, honestly. Like, I have not been this excited to do something for a very long time. It's strange how, like, fast it came up. Yeah. Because it seems like a while ago that we were first talking about it, and then we got tickets, and then there was, like, a long period of, like, it just seems so far off in the distance. I think as soon as the season started, it was like, holy shit, it's getting close. And now, now we're, like... A little over a week away. It means I've got to wash the dog's beds this week. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to sleep on them. Absolutely. <laughs> or not. <laughs> I mean, right? I mean, I've slept on worse. Yeah, I've, I know I've slept I slept under trees and stuff. So, Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's going to be great. I am so looking forward to it. I, I honestly, I have, I am like lost for words. And again, thank you for letting us come into your house. Tradition, I might, <laughs> you might not let us, depending on how it goes. <laughs> I think I'm, I got a, a quick layover in New Jersey, so there might be quite a few giant fans on my oh on my plane. Nice. I just realized that now, so it's all right. I'll have plenty of plenty of Packer stuff going. Yeah, you need to stand up, start mouthing off to all those Giants fans. Yeah. There might be like three of them. The Giants looked really good on Monday night, didn't they? Yes, Dallas. Yeah, dang, wow. they're bad. I'm just yeah, brutal. How did yeah. they win games already? I don't know. I was all excited because in the average cheese pick them, I picked Dallas. I'm like, oh, everybody's going to pick New York. Nope. <laughs> that didn't happen. <laughs> I have moved up, but I have not moved ahead of you, Peter, in the average cheese pick them. You are still showing your amazing skill set. You're still ahead of me by two games. That was all because I somehow managed to pick Denver over the 49ers. I also picked Carolina. Woo, woo. I was the only yeah. one. Let's go. I also picked Pittsburgh. Thank you, Mitch. Fucking clown. <laughs> Mitch Trubisky. Why would I hang my hang my hopes on Mitchell Trubisky? So he dumb. So terrible. Oh, God, he's bad. He made a couple decent throws. But- well, I watch a lot of that game, and it's like, they got to be. What's the rookie's name on Pittsburgh? Kenny Pickett. Pickett. They got to be looking to him by now. Man, if I'm Tomlin, I'm ready to play that card. Well, they don't play for another nine or 10 days, right? Because they play on Thursday. They won't play till Sunday. They were talking about it on Amazon afterwards. The announcers on Amazon, who are fucking terrible, by the way. Richard Sherman's no bueno. Terrible. <laughs> they were talking about how, you know, maybe they should move to pick it. But their buy doesn't end up, I think, until like week nine or something like that. So if they're not doing it this week with extra days of practice time, they're probably going to wait till after the buy to make that happen. You know, winning and losing also may predicate what they do with that. Peter, what do you think about Kenny Pickett? I think that you don't draft the guy in the first round having lost your quarterback, the quarterback of 
15 years or however many years Roethlisberger played, to have him sit on the bench all season. I think it's different if you're drafting a guy to sit behind your starter for a year, but the starter's gone. Pickett's one of those guys that I think that he played and started four years in college. So he's not a guy that just played one year or two years in college like like a number of those guys do. He's probably as ready as any quarterback coming out of college will ever be to play pretty quickly. Whether he really is the guy long-term, who, who knows? But I, I think he's got to play. It's not like he's being kept out by the next Hall of Fame quarterback, is it? Hound sent me a question via the Twitters today. So I'm going to ask it to you, friends. Here goes. Did either one of you, Ty, we'll start with you. Did either one of you expect the special teams to improve so rapidly after the Rich Passaccia signing as it has already? No, I'm shocked. It's hard to evaluate the preseason because there's just, there's a lot of guys playing on the special teams that more than likely aren't going to make the squad. So it's hard to really give a accurate assessment in the preseason, but so far this season, they've been mostly mistake-free, and they've got a punter that's just winning the field position for us. I did not expect it, no. I think it's a good start, but I'd like to see where this is by mid-season. I think if we, we remember, even Corey Bajorquez started very, very strongly last, last year. We haven't attempted many field goals yet. We still can't kick, kick off it through the end zone, which I, which I hate. But yeah, there's a lot, there's a lot of positive signs. I'm just, um, I'm not ready to say that it's fixed yet. You're cautiously optimistic. Yes, that's a, that's a good way of putting it. So I did not believe they'd be this good because we were brutal on them in the preseason, right? Because the special yeah, teams was, was abysmal in the preseason, like really, really bad. And Bisaccia was clearly coaching those guys too. But like you said, Todd, it's so hard to tell because those are fifth and sixth string guys who aren't yeah. going to make the roster who are playing special teams. The thing I like about Rich Bisaccia is that I think guys will run through a wall for him. I think he is a relationship builder and a guy who players will believe in. I love that about him. I don't know if you saw the interview that there was a, a Green Bay news anchor that he somehow had some sort of relationship within his family and she committed suicide. And he spoke of it during like a media session. And I thought that was pretty cool. I don't know why I just brought that up, but I just think like this, this guy is a human being. He's not like a, I'm above everybody and you're just going to listen to me because I'm the coach and you're the player. And he could do that as a special teams coach, right? Because those guys are fringe guys that play special teams. But I think he, like, the guys believe in him because Bisaccia believes in them. I'm not saying this well, but I think he's a super guy. I also think, though, on top of Bisaccia being a super guy and clearly a good coach, O'Donnell, the punter, is consistent. Mm -hmm. Bajorquez wasn't. And Rudy Ford, I don't know who that guy is. But he has made an immediate impact. That guy as a gunner is there every time. And I think it really makes you look good as a coach when your guy is winning the individual, actually the one-on-two battle that he has to make on the outside. Rudy Ford is a part of that whole equation. But to answer the question directly, Hound, I didn't have any idea they'd be this good this early. And if they continue this and they're not a huge hole, I think we're going to be really, really good. But I've said that before, so fingers crossed. Ford is one of those guys that looks like he enjoys playing special teams, doesn't he? Yeah. Looks like yeah. that's his. Yeah. That's his role. Yeah. And Keyshawn Nixon as well. Although, yeah. You know, he was called into action with Jair going down, but he's another guy that just looks like he enjoys playing special teams, playing on those coverage units. Yeah, and Keyshawn Nixon, I mean, how much will he play on special teams? Let's talk about that later. But 
Yeah, depending on what happens with these injuries. Let's let's talk about that now. So Jair Alexander played, I don't know, 10 snaps or something in this game. If got that. hurt. Yeah. It wasn't even that, I don't think. I don't know. It was early. I did see that they feel like he dodged a bullet, so to speak, and it's not a serious injury, but groin things do continue to come back. That's a problem going forward. Does Jair play this week if you're no. the coach? No, I think probably not. And I think some of that may, the Packers are typically naturally cautious anyway. And I yeah. think with Mac Jones potentially not playing that we'll get on to potentially not playing, then I, then I don't think you risk Jaya at all. Totally agree. hundred percent. LaFleur said this week that he kind of took it, uh, kind of took some of the blame for some of the injuries from pushing the guys too much in practice and not having days off and stuff. So he's reevaluating, kind of toning it down, specifically mentioned Watkins in his hamstring, took the blame himself and said, I got to do a better job about managing. How, I'm man- how I'm managing the time in the field, the drills, the intensity level, all that stuff. So, I mean, all these injuries are similar, soft tissue injuries, hamstring, questionable. Sammy Watkins is on IR. Peter, I think you called it. I think you said it. he probably wasn't going to play more than 12 games and you're already right because he's out for four. You know, you're only paying the guy a million and a half or that kind of that that area. I think when you sign him, play with that injury history, you expect he's going to play 10, 11, 12 games, but not all 17. Fine. Uh, yeah, fine. Um, right. Totally agree. On the injuries, what did you guys think of the rotation of Bakhtiari and... And Nyman. Yes, Nyman. You know, my thing is, I like that Bakhtiari and Nyman were okay with it. That's my favorite part of it that those guys respect Lafleur enough to say, okay, I don't like this. Cause you know, they're both want to be out there every play, especially Bakhtiari if he feels like he's healthy, but both those guys bought into it. And I love that part of it. Knowing what we saw, you know, in that Detroit game that Bakhtiari played a little bit and then never returned. If that's the way that it has to be that they're going to put him on a pitch count, then I'll take David Bakhtiari in week, 18, 19, and 20 healthy rather than have them go out there and play a full game against Tampa. Basically shared half the snaps. I think both the scoring drives were when Bakhtiari was in. Yeah, I mean, I I think that it's a sensible thing to do if they they feel that Bakhtiari wasn't ready or they wanted to ease him back in. I think it will be interesting to see how long that lasts because eventually you've got to have some continuity on the offensive line. And I think it's an area as a whole that isn't yet firing on all cylinders, shall we say. So let's review this game. It was a, I don't want to call it an ugly game. It was a slugfest. It was a game that the Packers usually lose. These close games, when they're not moving the football, they tend to shit on themselves. Rodgers forces one or something happens along those lines. But it happened. 14-12. Packers 14. Bucks 12. Good, bad, and the ugly. Peter, let's just start with you. Give me something good offensively. Well, I do remember the week before last predicting the Packers would win 14-13. Oh, you did say that. Look at yeah, you. Yeah, it just wasn't last it just wasn't last week's game that I was predicting. <laughs> yeah, I was predicting yeah. but, 1980s um, all over again. <laughs> Romeo Dubs, what can you say about that guy? Did it in the preseason, did it in camp, it's now started to do it in the real games. Clearly there's some chemistry there with Rodgers, which he's got quickly, surprisingly quickly. That's the good for me because we knew that one or more of those receivers had to step up one or more of those receivers has to get open. And so pleased with that and pleased. I've got another good, pleased to see Lazard work his way into the, into the offense for the first time this season. Both of those guys caught touchdown passes. So, so that's, that's the good for me on offense. There's a lot of good, both the big uh, drives I thought were great. They were moving the 
what ball against a really tough defense. They won the time of possession. You know, that's always a recipe for the Packers to win. They, they won that. They looked a little bit more in sync too. It felt like there was a really good plan in place for this game from the coaching staff. I really felt like it looked a lot more organized and precise when the offense was operating. For me, I just think they didn't panic. Went down those first two drives and they looked like, yeah, they were going to put up 30, even on the Bucks. But then it was, okay, three and out, three and out, three and out. But we didn't panic. We just kept to it. They ran the ball, which usually doesn't happen when Rodgers gets frustrated. I feel like he takes the game into his own hands, and that's where we end up with interceptions and that kind of things that are a little bit out of the ordinary. But I thought that just the patience and sticking with the game plan, it not only bodes well in this game, but I think if they can continue that, I think that's a really good sign for the, you know, this season. And the offensive line only allowed one sack against a, an insane defense. I mean, I was expecting quite a few. Yeah. And to only allow one, I think was, I played well. It was their, their best game of the season. It's early, but best game of the season. So the bad, can I start with the bad? Please. Despite what I just said about the patience of things, there are times when you have to, do things a little bit differently. I don't know what I'm not saying is you should go away from the run because you're not getting first downs and that kind of thing. What I would like to see is to go back to the motion that we used to have two years ago with Tyler Irvin. That doesn't exist anymore. We're not putting guys out of position. If you're not moving the football for a long period of time, you have to then create something with something different. Did they throw the ball over 25 yards in this game? If they did, I don't remember it. And I apologize. There was no, you know, deep ball. There was no Watson either, but you know, throw it long to Dobbs or some, Oh no, there was the one to Lazard, right? I think that was from the slot, which could be considered a long pass, but change things up. That's the bad for me. It got very vanilla very plain Jane and, and we weren't doing anything. So I needed, you know, you got to try something once in a while. That's my bad. Yeah. Tampa just, they definitely made some adjustments defensively and they just pitched a shutout from that point on. And we didn't, we didn't counter that at all. It seemed, it just seemed like we were going to stick to the game plan and keep trying to shove it at them. But it was frustrating second half offensively. There's no doubt. They just couldn't seem to get a lot a lot of things going. Yeah, I mean, I thought the second half off, uh, vanilla is the best way of describing it. And, and, and I thought that at some point, oh, you just summed it up, you have to throw the ball down the field. And I don't necessarily mean 30 or 40 yards down the field, but, but you've got to throw it 8 and 10 yards down the field. And then in, in the second half, they didn't do that at all. The number of passes that they threw behind the line of scrimmage. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I get you, you want to get the ball in the hands of Jones and Dylan. I get that. But wide receiver screens and all and all of that stuff, where the ball wasn't even thrown beyond the line of scrimmage in, in probably sixty percent of the passes that were thrown in the second half, and it just became so predictable. I thought that wasn't very good. Having said that, those are things that that they'll self self scout on and pick those up. The offense was other than the the one turnover, I think uh, two turnovers, I guess. The, the Jones fumble was obviously a turning point in the game. We weren't to know it at the time, but if he'd have gone in and gone up to 21-3, I think it would have been at that stage. 14 points was enough to win. So so 21-3 would have made it a different game. Yeah, I think vanilla is the best way of describing that second half offense. 
but it was good enough. Do you think that they are holding some things back in the playbook to bring them out later in the season or in the playoffs? My gut feel is is that they're holding stuff back because they've got a young group of wide receivers. Watson, Dobbs, and those guys, I think that they're not totally confident with, with those guys yet, particularly with you know Watson being hurt and, and that type of thing. So I think that's probably limiting the offense that they've got. There's no doubt that they'd like to get Watson out there and get him down the field, get the ball in his hands. And you talked about jet sweep motion, that kind of thing. Well, that's certainly what, a way of, that they'd like to get the ball in Watson's hands. I think it's more that that's limiting the offense rather than deliberately holding stuff back. I just think it's, and I think it's going to take time. We have to accept that. And Again, we've said this before, I think it's it's better to be good in week 15, 16, 17 than it is to be good in weeks one, two, and three. So the fact that they could yet, that offense could is only going to get better and they're already two and one is a really promising sign. Any ugly on offense? Oh, we mentioned the fumble by Jones. That was a killer. Oh, like, that it was- didn't kill the game, but it, it really was a turning point, like Peter said. Like, yeah, you go up 21 21- Three, oh, yeah. I think it was at that point. Yeah. But it also felt like we were just going to keep on rolling. And then that fumble just killed that whole, we're going to keep on rolling by. I mean, not to defend him, but like he did have like a 400 pound nose tackle blast him in the back at the same time he was kidding. He was him. getting tackled. He got smashed. He did. Yeah I, yeah. I think that was just one of those totally unfortunate. I don't think you can put that on Aaron Jones. It's just one of those unfortunate things i think i think it's different if a guy's in the open field and he's he's not securing the football and that kind of thing then you can blame you can blame him for fumbling but in that situation i i don't think so i think it's just one of those things and to go away from in that spot on the field to go away with no points was that was a killer we saw winfrey it was winfrey and dobbs right on that i think it was i want to say it was the fourth quarter I don't know. It was around the 50-yard line. Like We were trying to get into field goal position and basically make it, I think, a three-score game at that point. And you just see the two of them, and they, they were just crossing over each other. And they just and that ball was there for Winfrey. I mean, that ball was there. It was right on the spot. And had they not gotten tangled up, I mean, he would have been open, it looked like. But the young receivers, you know, got to communicate and figure that one out. I know I beat up on this dude all the time and I didn't put this in a nose, but the ugly for me, and I tweeted this out immediately because I couldn't not see it. Amari Rogers gets in the game. He comes in motion. He doesn't touch anyone on the running play. He goes in motion. He just stands there like a high school kid. Doesn't block anyone. Doesn't put his hands on anyone. I don't know if that was the only snap he got in on but i couldn't believe it he didn't touch a soul and maybe that answers the question that we've been asking all season why isn't he playing because he's a fucking dumbass like go out there and hit somebody your only job on a running play is to hit somebody and you didn't do it so go sit back on the bench clown until we get a kick to us or a punt and when kylan hill peter's guy comes back you can't do that that's what i say no more kick returns for you jackass defensively the good peter let's start with you defensively good kenny clark i thought he was immense i thought i thought kenny clark had a huge game again so much of that defense is around kenny clark's ability to a create havoc stop the run Get some pressure up the middle. I, I just I just thought he was a, a mint. 
not only did he wrestle Kenny Clark. <laughs> I never knew that. Have you never mentioned it before? Never. It's my first time. Now you know. And I've said this before. I love that he can go out and play end once in a while and get himself in space. He's athletic enough to do that. And that's I love that TJ Slayton plays the nose and Kenny Clark goes out and plays outside once in a while. That's a really good defensive line with it must be Jaron Reed. I've been calling him Jaron Reed the whole time. Jaron Reed, TJ Slayton, Kenny Clark, and then Smith and Smith. That's a good defensive line on passing downs and on running downs, to be honest. Todd, good for you. Andre Campbell. I think last episode we're asking, like, where has he been so far this year? Well, 14 tackles later, eight solo. He was all over, and and the key player at the end when he tipped that ball. I mean, he got up there. Yes, and not not many linebackers in this league have the wingspan or the athleticism or the vertical leap to get a hand, even get a hand on that ball. So and he was all over the place, crushing Cole Beasley. I love that. I mean, <laughs> it was the anti-vaxer Cole Beasley. <laughs> what a douche. <laughs> I don't know if douche is a swear word, but I just... Ah, that's all right. We we cuss for charity, so it's it's for a good cause. Best game of the year. I mean, he was an animal. He was awesome out there. And to your point, the athleticism on that last play is bananas. I don't know what his vertical jump is, but that was unexpected for me. Think back to the linebackers we've had play for us in the past, I don't know, forever? Does yeah. any other guy make that play? I can't think of any inside linebacker that athletic that could make that play. That was awesome. Quay Walker could make that play. I think both those guys yeah. are that athletic, but that was unbelievable. Keyshawn Nixon. Keyshawn Nixon was great in this game. I don't know why the Razul Douglases and the Keyshawn Nixons of the world are playing above what they've done in the past, and I don't care. It was awesome to watch him play. That play on special teams, I know we're talking about defense right now, but that play on special teams where he caught that punt and just stopped on the one on a dime, that's not an easy thing to do, to be running away from a punt and still be able to catch it and have the wherewithal to not step into the end zone. That was incredible. But he punched a ball out on defense too. Like that dude, for me, he was the MVP of the defense, even though Devondre Campbell was spectacular. Keyshawn Nixon was absolutely great in this game. I thought the Rizal Douglas actually had a good game. And I, and, I, and I know that you got picked on a little bit early. I thought, given Jair going out, Douglas moved to the outside. I thought he actually had a, had a good game as well. I, I agree with what you guys say about Campbell. I think the thing about Campbell, and I think this, this gets missed because he makes so many tackles against the run. He is super intelligent and super disciplined in pass coverage. He makes those drops. He always makes the drops into the right place. Not necessarily man-on-man covering the receiver, but he makes those zone drops always into the right place, which is exactly what he did on that two-point conversion, which put him in position to make the huge athletic play. Um, Just super, super intelligent player. Any bad? Again, we've been pretty good on defense lately. You held the Tampa Bay team, granted, without Evans, Godwin, Jones... Those guys were out. It's a little bit nitpicking, I think, that when you hold a team to 12 points to one score, I guess I I didn't like the way that they drove down the field for that score, but you have to believe that eventually, in a game of four quarters, they're going to put one drive together. I guess the fact that they got Leonard Fournette so wide open two or three times 
And I haven't seen the All-22 yet, so I'm not going to pick out a player, but I'm pretty sure that both of those passes were on one particular player who just didn't get over to make the play. That's kind of disappointing, but I think if you put it in the context of the whole game, you expect them to make a drive at, at some point in four quarters. So it's a little it's a little bit nitpicking. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to criticize holding them to 12 points, and the only score they had was late. Late as in, whatever, Last 20 second. seconds late. Right. Whatever it was, which is... You know, I thought it was bullshit. Um, the delay of game call that was a no call. Did you see that? I'm mean, yeah. That was. But Rogers does that all the time. I didn't have any problem with that, to be honest. I did. Even <laughs> Rogers said something after the game when they interviewed him. He said yeah. it to the person interviewing him. They were talking about the play where there was where there was the delay of game for the two point conversion. Right? They called that on the very first yep. series. Right. So they were talking about that, and, and Rogers corrected the the commentator and said, "No, well, that, there was actually two of them." And there was, yeah. but it was again. Rogers did that too. There were a couple of times during that game that they just played that Rogers got that went past zero. If the ball hasn't moved and the clock is on zero, get it. But I again, I feel, feel like we benefited I'm from that many subject, times. But uh, the bad, yeah. I mean, I know it's like. In those late drives, you want to keep the you, you got to keep the ball in front of you, and you kind of take some steps back, and you're playing zone and stuff, and you just want to keep everything in front of you and kind of close it down. So it's tough, but there were some blown assignments. Obviously, I mean yeah. Fournette with those at least two of those catches on Fournette, those are blown coverages, and those mistakes can't happen late in games like that. Because I mean, quite honestly, put, putting together such a great game like that, they could have blown the fuck out of that game. So, if they get that two point conversion, yeah. you go to overtime. Now you play then, a great no. defensive game for not for nothing, but for nothing. Yeah. If you and I'm it. right back to the cardi- cardiologist all over. <laughs> <laughs> right. I was very close. My right. cardiologist on speed dial <laughs> in the last fucking 20 seconds or whatever. That cardiologist is going to say later in the season that you can't jump into cold water. <laughs> this is Forget true. That. This, uh, yeah. You're going to risk it, to- man. Risk your life yeah. for a bet. I'll have to get an AD machine like on yeah, show. Yeah, just have one there. That'd be fine. Special teams wise, we talked about this a little bit. O'Donnell has been very, very good. The Packers weren't moving the football. At some point, field position could have become an issue in that game, and it never did. He kept banging punts over and over again. He didn't miss hit any. You know what I mean? Yeah. Bohorkas would kick one 99 yards, and the next one might go 34 yards. There's none of that. He's very consistent that way. So that was nice to see. He doesn't have to be spectacular. He just can't be really bad. And I thought O'Donnell was really good. I think he was like the first Packer since like 1978 or something to put five punts inside the 20 in a game. Really? Yeah, something crazy like that, yeah. That's crazy because the Packers weren't moving the football. So it's not like he was kicking them from the 40. Yeah. Or something like that. Yeah. On the topic of punters, Tampa Bay's punter was bombing. Yes, he was. Shit. Kamarda or whatever his name was. Holy bananas, man. <laughs> he was. I mean, they were just bombing, bombing kicks in that game. And we talked about Rudy Ford. Big fan of his. I'm not getting a Rudy Ford jersey because he might not be around next year, but he has made a difference on special teams for sure. Yeah, he was everywhere. Usually not almost every every play. Him and Nixon. I mean, assuming that Jair is going to come back, Nixon will go back to the gunner spot again. And those are two guys that we haven't had, right? I mean, who, 
we've had just a mess out there for years. So this it's really nice. And Peter, to your credit, you said this many times. We have gotten special teams guys on this roster. Dallin Levitt, even though he's hurt, is a special teams guy. Rudy Ford is a special teams guy. Now, Nixon, although he had to play snaps in this game, is primarily a special teams guy, too. So it's exactly what you've said in the past. Do you put guys on your 53 that are special teams guys? And look what happened. They can play special teams. Shocking. (laughs) (laughs) It's a miracle. How about the bad special teams wise? We said it to each other, like during the text. I was like, I was, I was texting you. I was like, why the fuck did he call a fair catch there? He had Rogers just got, I think he's a little gun shy back there or something. I don't know what it is. I think it was the punt. I want to say it was definitely in the second half. It was either the third or fourth or early in the fourth quarter where he clearly had some space. I don't think that was coming from the sidelines to fair catch that. I think that's on you, dude. If you've got some green in front of you, you fucking run with it. But he fair caught that one. It was probably over 10 yards before there was a defender. That that, that looked bad. So somebody posted that photo on, on Twitter of him fair catching that. And yeah, I mean, there was nobody within 10 or maybe 15 yards of him. He signaled for the fair catch on that thing really early, really early when you go back and watch it. And it, it makes you think that it was instructed to fair catch that punt, whatever happened. That's that's what it looked like. That came with just over about five minutes left in the game, I'm guessing. But just because he almost called for the fair catch before the guy had punted it. That's how early. <laughs> He's already up there <laughs> waving to the guy. Just kick it to me. I'm or, not going to run with it. As, as he ran out onto the field, either that or he was waving to somebody. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I agree with Todd. When you look at when you look at that, those are the ones that you return for touchdowns. Never mind about making a making a big gainer on it. They get that momentum going that ten or fifteen yards before anybody's near you, and you, and you can be gone. So, well, not only that, there were two blockers out in front. Did it show that on the still photo? Yeah, yeah. Like he's there's two guys waiting. Like, yeah, let's go. And he's like, no, I don't I'm think good. so. We're gonna <laughs> take this one on the nine, <laughs> wherever the hell it was. It's like, come on, man. But to, to his defense, if someone told him to fair catch it, if he wants a job come Monday, he better fair catch it regardless of the outcome because he ain't doing nothing else. Do you want to talk about the um, end zone punt? Yes. That was a big play in this game too. I, so I get that you want to be aggressive in that situation. You could see that they stacked everybody up on the line to go after that punt. Now it, that comes with risk and that risk is there's not a lot of space back there. So once you jam that space up with bodies and people start falling around and stuff, if you run into that motherfucker and they, it was bullshit, the call, because he clearly was pushed into the, into the punter. But he was thrown into the punter. He was thrown into the punter. Yeah. It was ridiculous. Yeah. It was bullshit. I mean, hindsight is twenty twenty. Right. I mean, you, you do want to be aggressive in, the, in that situation, but I felt like and maybe as a learning point, maybe not be that aggressive in that situation, because what ended up happening was Rogers returned it to like the 35 of the bucks minimum worst case scenario right there. We've got three. Yeah. You're kicking a field goal right there. We're, we're, we're already kicking a field goal. It doesn't matter yeah. what happens from their point. Right. Yeah. They get the penalty. The fucking bucks kicker bombs it. Of course. 
down to like our own 30. And Rogers has like a minimal. Uh, no, then there was a penalty on your guy. And that took us back to like on Rudy Ford. I think it was Rudy Ford on a holding call. And that took us back to our own, I don't know, 25 or 30. You're talking about a, a difference. Of like, yeah, what was it, 60 yards or something? It's a lot. It was nuts. It was mistakes like that, I feel like, have to get managed better. That was a big I, I think it was a little overly aggressive. It's, it's hindsight, right? I You're mean, right. It's after the fact. It's easy to say, well, that looked too aggressive. Even like my sense when I saw everybody kind of stacking up on the line, they had a few guys kind of standing in the line, like poised and ready to push through the line. They had a couple guys down and they had a lot of people just jammed up in the center. And I thought, man, that looks, I don't know. And sure as shit, here comes the penalty flag. It's hindsight. And I'm with you. Like it didn't work out well, but if you're on the all gas, no brakes idea, then you're going for a block punt in that situation against a very good team. I totally thought the same thing. Like that was a huge turning point, but if they blocked the punt, it's a turning point too. It worked out poorly, but I'm not sure I disagree with the decision at all. All right, let's move on on. to the new England Patriots. What do you think? Mac Jones. Have we heard? I didn't look in the last 10 minutes or so. Mac Jones with a high ankle sprain. He won't play. Probably won't play. Brian Hoyer is their backup quarterback. Their depth chart doesn't scare anybody. They're not very good offensively. I don't even know who Damian Harris is. They're starting running back. Peter probably knows because he's the draft guy, but I've never heard of him. Ramondre Stevenson is their backup. They have the two tight ends. You know, in years past, Hunter Henry and Johnu Smith would scare the hell out of me as a Packer fan, but... With Quay Walker and Devondre Campbell covering guys, I don't feel as scared about that. I guess we'll just start with you, Ty. What What are your thoughts here? I have to say this before you go. Ty Montgomery is listed oh, as a uh, running back on the Patriots roster. He's on IR, unfortunately. <laughs> Ty, thoughts on the Patriots? They are one and two. Peter, thoughts on the Patriots? I hate to be so confident because, you know, sometimes that goes south. But thoughts on New England? I don't think it's a team that can beat the Packers, right? So it's especially without without their quarterback. The only way the Packers can lose this game for me is if, if they somehow contrive to beat themselves with turnovers, silly plays, whatever whatever it is. But but even then, it would have to be a, a complete comedy of errors, I think, for the Packers to, to lose this game. You think even if the Packers turn the ball over a couple of times early. You just think that the Patriots can't score enough points would be my view on this to, to stop the Packers. I just, it's one of the few games going into in probably the last two or three seasons that I've been super, super confident that the Packers will win this game relatively easily, if not super easily. They'd have to score on defense, I think, New England would, or special teams or something like that to score more points than the Packers. It's kind of strange. New England has had good defenses, right? And they've had Tom Brady for the longest time. They don't have any of that now. Like Matt Juden is a good, is he a good player anymore? I don't know. He may be past what, you know, his prime years. You look at their roster and you think like Nelson Aguilar, not great. Hunter Henry has been great. Like there isn't a lot of players that you just look at and go, that guy scares me. 
mean, even the Bears have Justin Fields, and that's another story for another day because he's not been very good. But, like, there is no skill player on either side of the ball that scares me. The Packers right now are 10.5-point favorites in this game. Wow. The over-under, which I always seem to miss on, is 40.5. Hmm. So it's a very low over-under. That just seems like most games are going under anyway. So we just pick, do our picks for the week, which yeah. I will be terrible at. Who wants to go I, first? I won last week. I took the Packers and the under. You were perfect last week. So let's start with you, Mr. Perfect. The 10 and uh, a half point do, do favorite Packers. Do not look at our pick them. Oh. <laughs> right. You're good on the show once you get all by yourself. Oh, man. That's ugly. Ten and a half. Oof. And and the under, what is the total? The over under is 40 and a half as of right now. 40 and a half. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go under again. Yeah, I think the Packers will probably run up. And I, I don't see the, especially Mac Jones doesn't scare me anyways. And to think that Brian Hoyer is going to be back there, it's they have no chance in this game. I mean, unless there is a catastrophic meltdown or breakdown on the Packers side of the football, this this should be a pretty easy game. And I, I do think they cover the spread. I think we all may be in agreement this week. I do think the Packers will cover. I think the Packers will score a defensive touchdown in this pick six or a fumble recovery. So I think it'll be under. I think the Packers win by more than 11 also. Peter, your thoughts on that? Exactly that. I'll I'll go as far as giving you a score. I think the Packers will win 31-3. to And we know how accurate you are, so it will be (laughs) 31-3. Yeah, I'm using it a week out, though. Yeah, so next, the following week, when they play the Jets, it probably will be 31 to 3. So thanks for listening to episode 96 of the Average Cheese Podcast, the Sean Joan episode. Go Pack Go. Go Pack Go. Go.